0: Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Afternoon Ask Anything. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, joined by baseball writer Alex Stumpf and football writer Dale Lolly And here's how this works. You send your questions. We attempt we attempt answers. We might not always have them. Um, Alex and Dale, are you guys both outside? Dale, I can tell you're outside. I'm actually – I have
1: an enclosed porch in the back of my house, so I'm sitting on the enclosed porch, so –
0: And Alex is in the Alex cave.
1: Semi-enjoying the day.
0: Let's see what we got here. Um, Let's start with John Diddig who asks, if Dale was the GM, who would be his first pick in the draft? You are on the clock, Lolly.
1: First pick overall or the Steelers' first pick?
0: There's a difference there. Oh well, okay. Let's 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 get really gutsy and say you'd go with Trevor Lawrence for the first pick. Yeah, overall. I mean that's
1: that's a that's a slam dunk. <laughs> it's been the, that's been the pick for three years now since Trevor yeah. Lawrence showed up on the uh, the campus at Clemson. Um, you know if I'm the if I have the Steelers first pick again, picking at twenty four, who's available? That's the biggest question. I, you know, you get asked that a lot. Like, okay, who who do you pick? Well, tell me who's available because yeah. you know. It, Justin Fields falls. I know there have been some mock drafts, and I don't expect that to happen. But if if Justin Fields falls to you, you take him. I mean, that, that's a gift horse. You, you can't, you know, you you have to take it. Um, you know, much the same way Green Bay took, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers when they had when they had uh, Brett Favre and let him sit for two years. You, you can't pass up on the great quarterback prospect. But to me, uh, the, I think the question is more, uh, you know, the running back or offensive tackle. I, I think that they're going to be four. Offensive tackles taken before the Steelers pick. Uh, the last one, uh, you know, I, I think you're. That's probably what you're looking at there. So to me, I think I, I'm taking Najee Harris all day long.
0: Yeah, all day that's long. that's. Um, uh, I'm, I'm beginning to get like the 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 cement is starting to settle. It's starting to dry up around uh, about that thing here. Uh, Ron Harriott asks, how about the hustle by the Rays on a major league pop-up? Love the hustle on that team. Nothing worse than a player standing at home watching a ball. Alex, do you have any idea what he's talking about? I missed this. I have no idea. Yeah. Maybe well, Ron guess, is in – I'll know? tell you what, I,
1: I umpired a game – I actually umpired a baseball game the other night where a kid fouled a ball off or he thought he fouled it off and the ball went fair. Nothing worse than st- – if you're a oh. coach and, and the, the, the guys just kind of stand up and tag you. Like that's the worst.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, no. Didn't that happen to Adam Frazier last week? At one point, he—I think he doubled down the left field line and had no idea the ball was fair.
1: Hit the ball, it's run, still... <laughs> run, kid, run. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, because... we'll tell you if it's fair or foul. <laughs> uh,
0: sorry, this is Ron, from that
2: was yesterday. I, I was subjecting myself to Godzilla versus Kong instead of what Death or Glory
0: it. eighty asks. What would each of you pick as your walk-up song if you were in Major League Baseball? I, I'll uh, I'll start with Death or Glory by the Clash. Is that where you were headed with this, anyway? <laughs> Absolutely, death or glory from the brilliant London Calling LP.
1: I'm going with uh, Super Bon Bon by. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the, uh, the the group now. It just escaped me. But the, the 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 main theme of the song is "Move aside and let the man go through." So I'm coming up to the plate. Everybody, move aside and let the man go through. <laughs>
2: probably be a jerk and like Rick roll everyone or something. I, I, I like the entrance music for relievers more any day with, with like Bednar coming into renegade. That's Ben
0: Bednar coming into renegade considering they've only had 7,000 fans over there has been really neat. And Derek Shelton is correct that if, and when that happens someday and he's closing and the place is packed and the games mean something, you know what? I'm okay with that. You know, the Steelers didn't trade market. It's all still in Pittsburgh, you know, Yay! <laughs> man asks, "Hi from the coast of Maine. Enjoy your coverage. Any working? Any word on uh, Malkin or Cap? Evgeny Malkin and Kasperi Kapanen both skated with the team this morning, and I had been hoping Kapanen would do that, and I'd kind of been hoping that Malkin would do that. Uh, neither of them went all, you know, all the way in." Uh, Neither of them was full board. Neither of them is any kind of threat to play. You would think uh, I shouldn't say this week because they play the devils three times beginning tonight at PPG Paints arena. Um, But look, they're on the ice, you know, and they both had lower body injuries. So they didn't get out there for, for nothing. Um, Randy Steele asks, which projected first round candidate this year is most likely to fall the furthest.
1: You know, I, I, I'm, I've got a couple guys there that you look at. Um, Christian Barmore, to me, is one of the uh, kind of the the wild cards in this draft because he's the top, most by most accounts, the top-rated defensive tackle. But I don't think he's a first-round guy. Um, so there it is. Uh, yeah, that's the one, soul coughing. Um, but Barmore, to me, is not a first-round draft pick, but I could see a team in need of a, a defensive tackle that, that takes him higher than he should go. Uh, you know, and then you know, I think after that, you start looking at uh, – I know Jason Owa t- tested really well, but he had no sacks last year. He didn't accidentally fall into a quarterback once last year at Penn State.
0: <laughs> That's mean.
1: I mean, <laughs> as much as people complained about Bud Dupree and <laughs> early in he his occasionally, career, fell, into he occasionally fell into the quarterback. He occasionally fell into the quarterback. So you know, you play a full season at the college level, and you don't just happen to run into the quarterback by accident. That to me, uh, so he could go high. I, his testing was off the charts. So I could see somebody taking him in the teens, or I could see him falling into the forties. Uh, same thing with Caleb Farley with the you know his uh, medical stuff. Um, you know. He's, he, before this whole process started, he was right there with Patrick Sertain as the top cornerback. Uh, if you watched him on the field, he can play. Uh, he's right there with Sertain. But that back issue is something that could cause him to fall.
0: Sharad asks, since there was no minor league season last year, and by the way, there hasn't been one yet this year, Do you feel that Ben Charrington, Alex, will take a more conservative approach in 2021 and slow the promotion of prospects to the next level? Man, I wonder if they even have thought of this.
2: Well, yeah, this is something I actually, you know, brought up uh, right before spring training got started to him. Uh, Asked like, is it going to be an opportunity for a guy, you know, who you just haven't seen in person for a year who just blows you away and be like, you know what, we thought this guy was going to go to Greensboro. Let's send him to Altudo. Let's push him. I think that's going to be a possibility shortly into the season, but from what I've basically heard, they would rather have the guy play in Greensboro for a little bit, show that, you know, okay, I really can go to Altoona, and then send him to Altoona, then rather send him to Altoona, and okay, he's not ready send him back down to Greensboro. I think development-wise with just some of these guys, we're going to see a lot of people play multiple levels just for that reason this year, but... Um, I don't think it's going to be as slow as it was under Huntington, though, but I don't think it's going to be significantly faster.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the things that we get caught up in narratives in all sports, and one, one of the ones that's attached to the Pirates, and it's understandable, is that Huntington and Stark were really slow because they had a uniform checklist to promote guys. Um, and, and and Dale, I, I know you know as a baseball coach what I'm talking about. There are certain things that you're looking at uh, you know, well, what is his pickoff move? And yeah. if he doesn't have a pickoff move, he's not going from low A to high A and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and Alex and I were in the room when, when Ben Charrington was introduced over at PNC Park, and the very first emphasis that he had of any kind was related to individualized player development. Remember that, Alex? It was just, yep. he, he just kept hammering that point. Every player's development is on a unique path. Yes, we all want them to get to a certain spot, but we're not going to hold them up or, or, or accelerate them based on some sort, of, uh, some sort of general thought. One more before we take a break here. Mr. Eric asks, was the Tomlin extension a surprise to you, Dale?
1: No, not at all. I thought that that would get done at some point this offseason. Um, the timing of it was a little surprising, but they're sitting around the office right now getting the, you know their draft prep in. <laughs> right. Mike Tomlin and, and, and Got you a know, pen,
0: Mike. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, they see each other. They talk every day. Um, you know, it wasn't a situation where there was probably much negotiating to be done. Uh, the only thing that you look at and you say, well, you know, the previous contract was was a one-year deal with, a, with an option year. Now they've signed him to a three-year deal. People may look at that and say, "Well, why was that?" Um, Tomlin's kids are are now pretty much. This takes him through the end of when when his boys are going to be done with college. I Hmm. think the option year when 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 they had they had the option year before. I think he was looking at this, going, "Okay, I might you know I don't know what my boys are going to do. Are they going to go play in college? All that kind of stuff. I may want to go see them. I think he's figured out a way to to make to manage that so that he can be you know at some of their games and also you know be the head football coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers." So and scout I think Maryland
0: he, really heavily, too. Well,
1: yeah. yeah, I mean, that helps. You're getting to see a lot of Big Ten teams. Uh, but, you know, I, I think he's much more comfortable with it. He's not even 50 yet. So, you know, why not? Um, I
0: guess. You know, Dale, yeah. I, I, I just – look, nobody has to tell you that this is such a demanding job. I mean, NFL head coach, I don't even know how you could rank that in, like, not sports work. But like just work, work. Uh, There's a reason that you talked about me and you aging. You know, look at Bill Cower, the before and the after, when he, you know, and Bill Cower, he did burn out and he acknowledged it. You know, now he, you know, he still made it for, for quite a while there, but I just don't, I don't, you don't look around the NFL and see a ton of guys that just, hang on forever and ever. That said, I could see Tomlin and John Harbaugh in the total, like, you know. there's there are certain guys there. I mean,
1: (laughs) you know, you mentioned two of them there, Harbaugh and and, and Tomlin. But certainly Andy Reid fits into that category. So does Bill Belichick. These guys are football coaches. That's what they do. They don't want to do anything else. You know, Mike Tomlin, if he could spend the entire year with his football team living at St. Vincent College, he would do it. (laughs) <laughs> they wouldn't they would just do nothing but football twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week, you know, three hundred and sixty-five days a year. When we it takes a
0: special person to be able to do that. When we come back, we'll take more of your questions right after this. At DK Pittsburgh Sports, we take pride in coverage that connects our city's fans to their favorite teams. Now that connection's stronger than ever. Introducing our all-new state-of-the-art app. Find expert inside reporting and original podcasts. Check live box scores. Track the latest stats. Chat it up with our community of thousands of fans, all in one place. The new app from DK Pittsburgh Sports. Coverage that connects. Welcome back to Afternoon Ask Anything. I'm Dan Kowatchewicz, joined by Alex Stumpf and Dale Lolly.
1: You know, usually I find commercials in the middle of a show like that annoying, but that one was pretty good.
0: It's a, it's a nice ad, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Those guys are really, really, really good. Okay. And let's, uh, let's see what else we got here. Um, C-Mac chimes in that the Roonies are loyal to those who are loyal to them. That's why MT was extended. Well, now I'm kind of thinking that it has something more to do with the fact that he's a really, really good football coach. Uh, I hear a Pittsburgh accent when DK or Dale say stuff like going or tackle. Is Alex a Clevelander?
2: I'm not going to dignify that comment.
0: <laughs> Let's no, see.
2: Pills, born and raised.
0: <laughs> uh, Ron Harriot says the best story of the week. Was that Sean Kasmer got called up by the Braves after 11 years of A ball? Ron's just going to keep throwing stuff at us today that's arcane from around baseball, but this one I'm actually familiar with.
2: Yeah, I got this. I, I heard <laughs> about this one, Ron. And, and, and like you said, this is great. And you know what? Credit to Sean Kasmer because they don't let people play minor league baseball for 11 years if they aren't A, talented, and B, you know, a good teammate. So it's a case of a, a good dude actually getting. Rewarded for his perseverance.
0: What did he? I know he came up and hit a hit into a double play. He's still with the team. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's,
2: bench, But yeah.
0: I mean, if you wait eleven years to come up, you don't want to have a 6-4-3 on the line score. You know, you'd rather you'd rather stroke one somewhere. This Is his uh, walk-up
1: music Kashmir?
0: Is that stop that. <laughs> Steve Smith says we know DK's favorite pirate is Rennie Stennett. What would you? What would your favorite pirate be from your younger days? Dale and Alex.
2: Boy, that's Jack a Wilson. tough. Jack Wilson was absolutely the best part of watching Pirates baseball in those horrible Oxt years, and also Oliver Perez in that glorious summer of 2004 was must-watch TV.
1: <laughs> Every I mean, the, the, the guy that everybody emulated when I was a kid, but when you're when you were in the backyard playing baseball, was Willie Stargell. You did, we all did the bat spin, you know. That you had to. You just had to. Plus, I was a lefty, so it just made, you know.
0: Oh, it was nice and easy.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: a
2: little drop-off there from Willie Starge of Oliver Perez, I guess. <laughs> well,
0: Poor Jack. ZD says, once once Brian Hayes comes back, should it be Philip Evans in left, Brian Reynolds in center, and if so, what to do with Fowler and Alfred? Well, there's a rocket ship outside. You can jettison them both into the sun. That's what I would do with the current center field group. But go ahead, Alex.
2: As, as like a base, like just generic lineup, yes, I think that'd be good. Shelton has talked about, you know, Philip Evans and maybe being like Ben Zobras type that he's continuously bouncing around the diamond where, you know, he could play first base one day, second base another day, third another. I think they would rather go with that. But yeah, he's going to need a place to play every day. And I feel like that's the... Path of least resistance, right there. Neither Alfred or Fowler have really done anything to, you know, take a hold of this job. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised if we see one of them you know, get DFA'd soon or, oh, man, there, there was a hamstring injury right here, 10-day yeah. IL, nothing we can do there.
1: That hammock bone's acting up a little bit. Uh, you know? yeah. <laughs> that, that's what makes guys like Evans so valuable, though. It's like the Josh Harrison thing. You can find places to put those guys in your lineup. Yeah. It doesn't have to be in the same spot day after day after day because you want to keep everybody involved. You can't sit a guy for seven or eight days at a time and then throw him out there on a Sunday and say, okay, go have at it. Um, you want to try to get guys bat- at bats here and there, and, and Evans' versatility gives you the opportunity to do that.
0: Greg says, who are the two Penguins players who will sit when when Gino and and, and come back? I, right now, the, the question is a little more layered than that because they're not the only ones that are out. I mean, when I look at the playoff lineup that the Penguins are put together for game one, presuming – The biggest variable in this, by the way, is Brandon Tanev. He's the one guy that Ron Hextall said that he might not be ready for the playoffs. Uh, So whatever it is that's wrong with him, and bear in mind we never know these things, uh, that's the iffiest one of all. So who are you bumping? To me, it's more a matter of who you're including. Gino and Kapanen are going to be on the same line, line two. I would have Jared McCann as the left winger on that line. So your third line is now Jeff Carter, Jason Zucker, and question mark. And you've got a whole lot of guys that can compete for question mark there. Remember that Freddie Goodrow is still out. They love Freddie. They love Freddie. If Freddie's healthy, he's got to be that question mark guy. Or does he? Because now you also have Evan Rodriguez sitting there. And Evan Rodriguez is a better penalty killer. So there's a lot of different variables in there the one player for sure that you could say would come out uh would be Radim Zohorna uh he's shown obviously terrific offensive flashes but that's not what this is about
1: can uh, any of those guys play center field for the Pirates
0: uh I don't know can any of them play center for the Steelers <laughs> so let, let's go to to see Mac who says the Steelers need to draft a lineman first center or tackle with the line you can't Run or pa- with this line, you can't run or pass. You're allowed to draft
1: centers and, and, and tackles in the second and third rounds who play for you. No, you're Mar- not. Marcus no, you're Gilbert not. was an immediate starter. Uh, I could go on down a list of guys
0: Marcus, who are a second
1: rounder. Marvell Marvel Smith was a second round draft pick. You can get guys, especially in this draft, who are second rounders. You do not, first of all, you're not taking a center in the first round. None of the centers grayed out as first round guys. If you do that, it's a bit of a reach. Not one, deal, Not one. I mean, I could see – because, it, look, every draft – and I kind of touched on this today in my talking point. Every draft has 12 to 18 guys that any team would draft at any point in that first round, no, no matter where your pick is at. So those guys are all – you know, th- those guys are set. And I think this year it's probably 15 to 18 guys, maybe a little on the higher end. Then those next 50 guys, you throw a blanket over them. Because they all have a similar grade. So when I say there's no center who has a first round grade on it, um, you know, that's going to depend on the team and needs. But you can certainly there, there are probably six to eight centers in this year's draft who are either first year starters or starters by year two. There are 15 offensive tackles who are, first round, who, are who are legit competitors for, for starting time as a rookie, Definitely starters by year two. There are three running backs that I know anything that I know will be everyday starters. If you don't get one of those guys in the first or second round, you're not getting one. Then you're then you're throwing another mid round draft pick at the wall and hoping he becomes something. And that's Craig, just not good business when you don't have a starting running back.
0: Craig Cochran uh, asks about the favorite slash best Pittsburgh sports uniform ever. Any sport, college, pro, or fictional fictional so we're like getting into the pisces and the what what yeah. was the what was the the name of the the this the gotham something the gotham were they the gotham giants that Heinz uh, was playing actually, for yeah.
1: No, I actually have a shirt upstairs that has that on it. They were the Gotham uh, nice. Knights.
0: They were the Knights. Gotham yeah. Knights, that's right. Hines yeah. really, not only did he beat that coverage for that touchdown, but he beat multiple explosions in the right corner of the end zone. That's the fastest he's ever run. This, to me, is the definitive argument that he deserves to be in the hall ahead of Julian Edelman, by the way. The fact that he can get down there and just there's bombs going off and Bain's really trying to do him in. Anyway, favorite, favorite uni ever. Pittsburgh sports. Go ahead, Alex. <laughs> I really don't pay attention to them, to be honest.
2: <laughs> I remember the bad ones. I remember the the red unis <laughs> for the Pirates and, and the turn turn ahead the clock night. Oh deal. wait,
0: you mean you mean this one over here?
2: Yes, that one right there. Okay. That is a work of art.
0: I mean, Speaking to me, which
2: like that was put? That game was set in the year twenty twenty one.
0: To time. me, I, I'm really big on the on the whole. Something that's iconic, you know. There's nothing that makes me cringe more than when um, we're watching a hockey game, or it's just on in the background or whatever. And 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 my wife Dolly will say something like, "Look at the Blackhawks uniforms. They're so bad." And I'm like, "You don't understand. They're the Blackhawks uniforms. There's no such thing as bad. It's like calling Montreal's uniforms bad." Uh, I, was so me- a,
1: I I the one the one uniform that I always did like, and it's a hockey one. Believe it or not, was the St. Louis Blues. Um, I was always I always like their that it's color. really
0: really slick the, and the yeah. logo and the logo is too um mine mine would be probably a tie between the, the Steelers iconic block numbers uh from the 70s and yes it's tied to what they represent I'm, I'm you know you're not naive about that you know um Steelers block numbers and then the Pirates I want so badly to say the sleeveless because they were you just knew that the pirates, who they were, even in the ancient footage, by the sleeveless alone. But then I remember Jack Wilson and Freddie Sanchez complaining so bitterly when they brought them back, as if something happened to their armpits or something like that, and they couldn't stand these things, and eventually talked management out of having them. True story. Uh, but I'll take the pirates, like the, for lack of a better. Uh, descriptive term, the Steve Blass slash Roberto Clemente, This the 1971 um, when they had kind of like the mustard gold, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, those are They're just, always- I mean, I, yeah, I just look at those and I think Pittsburgh Pirates, you know. Uh, the Penguins, you know, they've had a few too many episodes for me with their uniforms. I like the fact that they've stabilized lately. You know, you know what their base uniform is, you know what their base logo is, but uh yeah, Chris Dolnack jumps in and says, yes, the sleeveless pirates unis, that's because you don't have to wear them.
2: <laughs> Anyone come to defense of the red ones?
0: Uh no, that would that would be none. Steve says the White Sox from the eighties with the shorts. Oh yeah. There you go. Ron Harriott asks if the pirates have adjusted Colin Moran's swing.
2: Uh, last year, while doing betting practice in the off season, this is leading up to 2020. He uh, got rid of the leg kick, added a toe tap, and really, what we're seeing this year is just a continuation of what he did last year. I mean, he he had a dip in results because he had the mini. You mean productivity, Alex? You yeah. mean his
0: product? Yeah. He, I was gonna say he he looks now. People are ta- acting all surprised about him now. He was doing this last year too. Just nobody was watching.
2: Yep. It, 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 up until the point where he got the concussion, missed a little time, and he wasn't able to get one hundred percent back into the swing of things afterwards. Like this is more or less what he did for the first month or so of last year. And you know what? He looks like a much more complete hitter. And credit to Derek Shelton for actually letting him face lefties. I'm sure that's definitely helping with the timing playing every day.
0: But what's the what's the the key though to the the toe tap versus the leg kick? Does that just mean he's setting up quicker?
2: Basically, like he's able to. It, it's tough to explain without visual aids, right here. But with the leg kick, it was kind of big, and it, you know, you don't know exactly where you're going to land. It's, it can lead to a lot of ugly swings. With the leg, with the leg, with way, the leg kick, gives, it does throw time.
1: your timing off. Yeah, the, one of the things that I see when, I, when I'm coaching a kid that has a big leg kick like that, you've got to time that leg kick up so that your foot is landing as your swing is, is coming forward. And so if they throw you a breaking ball or anything off speed and that leg comes down and now all of a sudden, as Alex said, you're getting a bad look at it, you know, because you're thinking you're, you thought fastball and all of a sudden it's something off speed and now your hands have already started. It just looks bad. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you got to be really out, a really outstanding hitter to have that big high leg kick. Um, so, you know, shortening that up, I think you see the
0: results of it with Moran. It's funny. I remember when Xavier Nady, who had the most exaggerated, pronounced high leg kick <laughs> that I think we've seen in modern baseball, and Jeff Manto was the hitting coach at the time, and he tried to talk to X about it. And he I was draw like, hitting coach is nuts. I mean, <laughs> and, and eventually, like Jeff Manto just gave up, just said, X, just do what you got to do. And they figured out ways to work with other parts of his swing and his follow through to make sure that X was still getting the timing that he needed. And Jeff Manto made X a very, very wealthy man, uh, for which Jeff Manto often reminds him <laughs> of this sort of thing. Ed Vedra asks if there'll be any surprises in the Penguins game tonight. When is Gino returning? Well, it sure won't be tonight. Uh, but again, when you see them on the ice, This is a good thing. This is progress. You're not going to see any lineup surprises or anything to that effect tonight. I'm sure they're going to go back to Tristan Jari. Um, What they need to do is they they just need to get back to taking care of business. You know what's funny, guys? I look at these standings in the East Division to to both of you, and I'm like, I I don't even see the objective. I mean, it's nice to have home ice. The Penguins are 16-3-1 at PPG Paints Arena. Most of that without fans. But there is still a comfort level when it comes to playing at home, and I remember really vividly rolling my eyes the first time I heard that come from Ben Roethlisberger's mouth. Remember that Dale at, at Heinz Field when he said, "We're we're in we, this is our home. We still want to protect it." And I remember thinking, "Boy, that sounds really weird because you're you're playing in front of sixty eight thousand empty yellow seats,
1: you know." But it's still your stadium. It's still, you know, your, your city. Um, that team's going to come into your – you don't want them to be comfortable coming into your, your city, your stadium, and, and winning because next year there will be fans. And so they can come back and say, well, we won here last year with no big deal. So, yeah, you want to make it as tough as possible.
0: Our man Gary Morgan asks if the Cubs will pull the plug and burn it down. Do that, Cubs! Do that. They have pieces. You want to talk about a, a quality sell-off uh, that would be a foot. Imagine yeah. what you can get for Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo and Javi Baez. and I'm, I'm not even scratching the Timberl surface on all the guys hat. they have. Hmm?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Some Timberl of the pitchers,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. They
2: absolutely should just burn it down because that farm system is arguably the worst at baseball.
0: Is it's it? I didn't He's know that.
2: He's got one of the – See, that's the beautiful thing about the Pirates, you know, and all these kids coming up 2023, 2024. With the exception of the Reds, no one in this division looks particularly intimidating. Like, there is, like you always have to credit, you know. St. 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 Louis imagine. will find a way, you know. Yeah, they're going to find some jabroni <laughs> to make him into a four-war player because that's just what they do in that lab. But the Cubs do not look intimidating. The brewery's farm system is challenging the Cubs for among the worst in baseball. Mm-hmm. So if the Cubs aren't going to, you know, really spend it all and try, you know, one last to get one more ring out of this core of players, they absolutely should tear it down.
0: Well, I'll I'll say this: one thing to think about, and I know Ben Charrington hates the idea of the window and all that other stuff. Okay, but if I'm looking around the rest of the Central Division and nobody's got any prospects, and I do, you know what I'm saying here? If you <clears throat> if you put yourself in a in a, a situation where you know that in two years you're gonna have the best system, the best everything, and they're working their way up while the rest of the division is gonna stink, except like Dale said, St. Louis, because they never do. You know, that could be something that factors into some of the the, the pirates' decisions as well here. Jeremy Densmore asks, How do we like the Greensboro Grasshopper uniforms? I've never seen them. Did they reveal new ones? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, Dale. What are your thoughts on the Greensboro Grasshoppers? University? I have none. Uh, yeah, I don't. I've never
1: seen a Greensboro
0: Grasshopper, and I
1: hope I never do. But uh,
0: oh,
2: Quinn Priester's <laughs> pitching there this year, probably. Yeah,
0: they're actually that's going to be the place. The Greensboro Grasshoppers, yeah. in all seriousness, are going to be where the Pirates stack almost all of their pitching prospects to start the year, which will be and uh, Piguero
2: I- and probably Gonzalez.
0: Yeah, and that for anybody who doesn't know is the Pirates' top shortstop prospect and the Pirates' top second base prospect in order. So your middle Greensboro's are going to be, what's that?
2: It's the middle infield of the future.
0: Yeah. And, and, I'll,
1: I'll wait until they get to Pittsburgh before I actually see them play. I'll, <laughs> I'll wait and see them in Pirates' uniforms. No offense to the Greensboro Grasshoppers.
0: Yeah, no, no. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, Steve Smith says, no, unfortunately it is, especially the Cubs, the Phillies, the Mets, and the Cardinals. Uh, I'm not sure what he's referring to. To
2: the Cubs sell-off?
0: Oh, the Cubs sell-off. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Ed says, home ice is important to the Penguins and the Steelers. Not sure for the Pirates. Actually, I don't know.
1: Talk Talk to Johnny Cueto about that.
0: The Pirates have been much better at home already this year than they were on the road. Again, small samples, and there were those three disastrous games in Cincinnati. And that, to me, is like, you know that Cincinnati series is still the one, and Alex, you covered it for us. Is such an outlier from everything else that we've seen that I'm, I'm thinking more and more about. You know,
2: it's convinced me that the Reds are going to win this division.
1: Yeah. That's what that
0: it's, series it's. It's. Compl- me. I mean,
1: if you look at if you look at the Pirates run differential right now, it's all because of that series. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah it, it really is. Chris Weber asks about ads on NHL sweaters. Are they good business sense or short short term? fool's gold ruining tradition Uh, this can apply to all sports obviously i mean the the nhl has really kind of sold its soul because the nhl more than any other sport that we'd be discussing is reliant on revenues that aren't television so i kind of get that but really guys are we that far away from you know seeing ads on nfl or major league baseball uniforms (sighs)
1: Probably not. I mean, but, you know, I I don't I don't think the NFL necessarily needs it um, as much as the other leagues. I mean, they just just signed a big, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. gambling gambling deals and you see all these television deals. I think they did a deal with Hulu today that came out, uh, you know, the show, the NFL Network and and Red Zone. So, I mean, honestly, owning an NFL team is like, you know, a, a License to print your own money. You just crank, except crank it. Except in
0: one market, <laughs> except in one market, the Jacksonvilles will always find a way to lose.
1: Well, I mean, that's because they're, <laughs> you know, located in Flabama, which, uh, <laughs> it's no man's land. It's a college town, but, uh, you know, even at that, they're still, they're not losing money in Jacksonville. I just don't see that happening. Um, I could see it happening in, in other sports. I mean, it's, you know, it's NASCAR already does it and NASCAR's you know, essentially as successful uh, a venture as, yeah. as some of the other sports. So why not?
0: Yeah, you can say the same thing for European soccer. I mean, it's not like those those teams or those leagues need more money, uh, although they kind of <laughs> threw some water onto that concept over the last three or four days. Uh, but I noticed that from the games in Milwaukee that the Pirates just played, that on the back of the mound, they had the Brewers stencil yeah. on the mound. Whereas if you'll recall, in 2020, a lot of teams, the Pirates included, were using that space, that stencil to give to a primary sponsor, like whether it was AHN or PNC or whatever. So I wonder if there isn't some kind of pullback there, you know, like we did it in 2020, but we're not doing it again.
1: I mean, you saw that with the Steelers, with the with the banners in the lower section, in the lower part of the bowl. Yeah. Those, 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 they didn't want to pay money back to those advertisers. Right. Right. So you had to give them something for their for their buck. So putting that logo behind pitcher's mound, um, you know, gives those 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 advertisers exposure. But if you if you have fans in your stadium, then you don't need to do that. Uh, could is it something that they could sell in the future? Sure. Um, you know, you see that at a lot of different broadcasts where they'll they have the the rotating uh, right behind home plate, the, the rotating ads and things of that nature. But you know. Um, We'll see if, if this this is continues. Typically, teams don't, when they find a stream of revenue, they don't give them up.
2: Exactly. And as for, like, uniforms, Major League Baseball just lost this battle by letting the Nike swoosh get put onto all of them, and it looks horrible for, like, the Yankees ones. And just to rile on up a little bit, as we're nearing the end, I imagine, uh, that, that stencil that they've right there it's definitely for every team it is the Pirates charity for every Pirates charity sign for every one of the 30 pitching mounds in the league
0: yeesh Ah, we're gonna take two more today this one's for Dale how much of the Matt Canada offense will we see with Ben still behind center well, it's all going to be the McCann's offense. You would think so.
1: <laughs> who else's Who else's offense is it going to be? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is there going to be some pre snap motion and things of that nature? Yes, there was last year until teams caught on to it because they had fourteen practices before the season started to work on that stuff. So they they incorporated you know bits and pieces of it that we saw early in the season. Um, but when teams caught on to the end of rounds and the jet sweeps and that that th- thing, those kind of things, then you had to kind of scale it back a little bit because when they get into the regular season, they're not working on hey we, let's let's add some wrinkles to the offense. They're working specifically on getting ready for the next opponent, and so you can't add a lot of stuff to your offense in that respect. You can add things off of what you do, but you're not putting you're not implementing new schemes and things of that nature in the middle of a season.
0: No, that's, I mean, that, that that's really it more than anything else here. Uh, the last one today will go to Alex from, from Maxwell Peckage, who asks, who do you think is the top center field prospect for the Pirates? And if I can jump in and say that I really hope that it's not Travis Swaggerty. No, no, it isn't. Okay, good. All right, no offense, Travis. Hope you make it and everything else here. Uh, also, we're banning any form of responses that point to Jared Oliva. Oh come on. I I, I like You like all him?
2: Of, I like I've all never seen him do an anything
0: with anymore. my own eyes. Never. He's
2: not gonna be an all-star, but he runs the base as well. He covers the position. He'll get on base enough. Well He'll Alex hated the
0: defo
1: signing, team. and I, I was I was all on board with the defo signing. It's defo! Everybody loves defo. I defo, you defo, we all Are defo. We not men.
0: We yes. are defo. <laughs>
2: Maxwell, to answer your question, it's Hudson Head, the main prospect that they got back in the Joe Hudson trade. He's definitely raw. There's a lot to work on with those mechanics, but this was a guy who was going to be a first round draft pick that fell to the third only because of signability issues. Amazing raw potential. That is the guy who has the potential to potentially be an all star one day for the Pirates. It's going to be a long path to get there, though.
0: Bonus end of show question Craig Cochran asks Who will be the first one to hit the ball into the Allegheny first? Moran Reynolds. Or the field. I'll tell you this: Reynolds's bomb the other night in Milwaukee would have made it to Stanwick Street. Never mind the Allegheny River. Oh my goodness, did he murder that ball?
2: He did. But I'm going to go with the field here.
0: My I money's know on Polanco. The
2: Nationals coming. Polanco is actually probably the, the right game. answer.
1: Yeah, my money's with. I mean, as as much as Gregory has struggled, uh, when he, he hits it, <laughs> when he hits the ball, that the, the it's, it it goes. Um, you know, and he's been a little better here after the slow start
0: little better. Thanks to everybody for participating today. We'll do another afternoon Ask Anything with all you guys tomorrow. Thanks.